Hello there, and welcome to Casual Fridays by I Read Aloud. I am your host, Dada, and this podcast is part of my I Read Aloud channel on YouTube, where I read fairy tales, short stories, children's stories, poetry, letters, and other excerpts. So if you like such content, make sure to subscribe. You'll find me on YouTube in the search box under at I Read Aloud. You can also find me on Instagram, TikTok, and X also under at I Read Aloud. I also want you to know that this podcast airs every Friday on the following platforms, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Samsung Podcasts, Podcast Index, Listen Notes, RSS, and Spotify. This week's episode is on marriage part two. In part one, I had given you a brief history of the institution of marriage and how it has evolved throughout the ages since around four and a half centuries ago. Today's focus shall be on what makes a marriage functional versus dysfunctional. If you had asked me 20 years ago what qualities I would look for in a mate, I would have said someone who would help me out in the house, would actually clean the dishes and do the laundry with me, clean the house with me, someone who's generous with his money, someone who is witty and funny. And then, of course, I would have listed a few physical attributes as well. Little did I know then that all these qualities could exist in a mate who is also toxic for you and very harmful for you. In the end, cleanliness and taking care of some household chores is nothing but survival skills for any human being, and any human being should hone these skills for sure. A man who is generous with his money could also be possessive and narcissistic. A man who is witty and funny could also be a liar. But, in truth, that was the extent of my generation's knowledge of what a relationship is all about. No one actually um, took the time to explain to any of those who got married 20 and 30 and, of course, uh, more than that years ago, that marriage is about patience and kindness, and respect, and generosity in time, generosity of soul, that marriage is about honesty, and although many don't want to hear this, also about loyalty. And so my list today of a mate for myself includes kindness, generosity of spirit, and loyalty among other attributes, of course, but these are basic ones I look for today. I am sure many of us by now agree that marriage is not happily ever after. After the ordeals that so many couples have gone through and after the divorce rates have become so high these days, I am sure many agree that marriage is mainly about overcoming obstacles. The least challenges you will face in any marriage are financial challenges, possible sickness, sometimes even the death of a spouse, and having to raise the kids alone. And probably the largest or the hugest two challenges are how to raise your children and how to cope with your partner changing throughout time. 
people don't really remain the same. So about every five or ten years, people evolve. And how do partners cope with that change? Then, of course, there's this taboo topic of sexual challenges between a couple. You know, there's a saying in my country that goes, you won't know your partner, really know your partner, unless you live with them under one roof. But I've come to believe that this is true only if you ignore red flags in the pre-marriage phase. So when someone love bombs you, makes you feel on top of the world all the time, gives you such highs all the time to reel you in, and then at some point gives you a taste of their anger, their bitterness, through their physical abuse or psychological abuse or emotional abuse, and then they see they've taken it too far and they love bomb you again to make you believe that that's just something that's an anomaly. It is not the norm and that the love bombing and the love phase is the norm and makes you forget about all the ugliness that transpired just a few days ago. That is you ignoring a major red flag. If someone slaps you once before marriage, make sure that this slap will turn into a beating one day. So do not ignore physical signs of abuse. If someone calls you stupid and ignorant and then apologizes and offers you gifts, do not ignore this red flag because the word stupid and idiot or whatever will turn into much worse words in the future. If someone keeps you on your toes, unsure of what they're doing and what they're saying, it means they are lying to you. When you don't feel comfortable in someone else's presence to the fullest and you feel there's always something lacking, something missing, something wrong, trust your gut instinct because most probably your partner is lying to you. When your partner is unexcited about your dreams and doesn't support your dreams, no matter how small they are, it could be something as small as building a house for your puppy and if they put you down and tell you oh yeah whatever or they don't even listen or they don't help you build that house for the puppy that's of course a very small example but bear with me then this means that this is someone who will not respect your bigger dreams later on this is someone who does not respect you enough to respect your dreams to respect your thoughts and to respect who you are if the only physical contact between you and your partner is sexual whether it is kissing and other intimate sexual actions, then this is a red flag because intimacy is about wanting to touch someone all the time, not touching them sexually, touching their hands, playing with their hair, just being close and touching shoulder to shoulder, just wanting to be with someone all the time, just wanting to not part from someone because you miss them so much and that you feel you will miss a lot if you're not with them. Intimacy is about sharing your deepest thoughts, your smallest thoughts, your largest thoughts with someone who is excited for you, who's listening actively to you, who who wants the best for you, who it supports you in every way. The last thing you want is a partner who does not see you and does not hear you. These things I've listed are kind of the hidden gems of a relationship. Things that you may not think of looking for when you are in a relationship, especially a new one. 
and things that no one tells you really about, you know, when they talk about relationships, because people talk about shells, about outer matters, about shallow matters when they talk about marriage. Another major pillar to create a functional and successful marriage is compatibility in your belief systems. I've heard so many times people saying, oh, you know, um, she's so-and-so, you know, in her beliefs. Uh, but you know what? She's found her husband who also believes things like her. And I don't know how they're going to, you know, evolve in life together if that's what they believe. And the thing is that people don't realize is that these two people are definitely going to have successful marriage because even though their belief systems aren't maybe too evolved for someone who is, you know, uh, more evolved in the path of life, but these two people are going to grow together and they actually have a good foundation of a similar belief system. Now, belief systems are major things in life, such as religion or faith in general, uh, belief systems can include um, how to raise your children, uh, what tactics you will you will use when your children misbehave, what disciplinary actions will you take when children misbehave, for example. Your belief systems include how to overcome financial obstacles. Your belief systems include how to deal with sickness in the family or even death. And of course, belief systems could include all sorts of, you know, metaphysical ideas that you might have in life and so on and so forth. But it's basically important that you should have similar belief systems so that you can gel together and, and walk on this path of life. And, you know, I heard something very interesting once that a marriage occurs Without paper, just it occurs automatically between two souls, two people, when or, or the moment that they agree on a similar life path. And that divorce happens automatically the moment that these two people, these two souls, diverge in their life path beliefs. Then, of course, you have to watch out for anger. Anger is a huge, huge red flag and it indicates um, traumas that are unresolved in your partner. Anger is what most of the time leads to physical abuse, mental abuse and verbal abuse. And the danger with anger is that you might be used to it in your childhood home. If all of your life you've lived in a way where you're anticipating one of your parents' anger to flare up and you have learned to cope, you've developed coping mechanisms to deal with the anger of one of your parents or even both of your parents, then you will not see anger as a red flag in a partner. You will actually think this is the norm. People get angry. It's normal. You absorb it and you know how to deal with it. And that is the worst thing you can do for yourself because then you'll be living with someone who is a ticking time bomb who at any moment could explode in your home and who is going to um, literally make you live um, on eggshells, make you walk on eggshells, make you live in a state of constant terror, even if you don't admit it to yourself. So it is so important that your partner uh, knows how to heal and is willing uh, to heal 
childhood traumas because you know modern day psychology attributes most of you know negative behavior in humans to childhood traumas and so if someone is willing to work on their childhood traumas of course i'm saying that you are willing to do this as well so you have to heal yourself you know in order to be in relationship and this is you know something else that's you know been talked a lot uh, about in modern psychology that you have to heal yourself heal your traumas face them and deal with them and learn from them and you know forgive whoever you have to forgive and you know change your behavioral patterns and end up loving yourself before entering into a relationship with someone else or else you're going to come with all your traumas all your baggage in that relationship and you're going to just dump them on your partner and that is just um, you know this is basically the major reason for divorce that nobody really realizes generally people don't communicate their, their sexual desires um, and they don't tell their partner what they like and what they don't like you know, sexuality is such a taboo in, 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 in our society in the Middle East, but, you know, even all over the world, um, you know, especially in, in religious families and in conservative families where, you know, we don't talk about this, we don't shed light on it. And even if you learn a bit about it at school, it doesn't teach you to communicate openly with your partner and to be completely honest with your partner about your, your sexuality and your likes and dislikes. And I know that this is probably the, the hardest type of communication with a partner because it's a very sensitive issue. You don't want to hurt your partner. You don't want to make them feel less than. You don't want to make them feel incompatible. But believe me, communicating with your partner during the sexual act is the easiest thing you can do. Sometimes just sitting and talking to someone about something will not <laughs> resolve the matter or resolve any issue. Uh, when you are in the sexual act, you know, and you're in the throes of passion, whatever, you could just tell your partner, do this, do that, whatever, you know, and give them some, um, a few, not, not dump them uh, 10 instructions all at once in one, in one session, but just, you know, like throw in one thing here. And then another day, throw in another thing there. And, you know, little by little, your partner will get to know more and more what makes you feel pleasure, what makes you happy in the bedroom, let's say. And I believe from the core of myself and my heart that the only thing that works in a marriage or that allows a marriage to be perfectly functional is open communication on all topics. Open communication is so important on every single aspect uh, of your relationship and of, of the struggles of life. And it is so important when you communicate that you are certain that the person in front of you is receiving your communication. The worst thing is you feeling as if you're talking to a wall. You're talking to someone who will not listen and who will not care about what you say. And that is why it's so important to begin this open communication ritual, if you will, before marriage, because then you will see all the dynamics of that open communication unfolding before you, and you will see the pattern that will be developed uh, even after marriage uh, in that open communication. And, you know, I've stumbled across um, 
a few lists um, online of questions to ask your partner, you know, uh, before you get married to kind of make sure that you are on the right track or whatever. And yes, there are many important things to be discussed. And, and I believe that one of the most important things is what I've mentioned before, how to handle financial challenges, how to raise your children. I mean, some people to still till today beat their children. Is this something that you want, you know, in the life of your children? Is it something you want to bring into your home, for example? And you have to have clear communication about what happens when you evolve in the relationship. You are going to change, as I said before, every five to ten years, you're going to have new beliefs, new ideas. How will your partner change with you and cope with that change? Will you grow together? Will you stagnate together? You can stagnate together, be happy. Why not? <laughs> Major things to discuss as well as what do you do in case of sickness or even death of a spouse? How do you, uh, how do you handle, uh, you know, raising kids alone if your spouse passes? Or how do you take on the responsibility of the household in case of, you know, a partner gets sick? The list could go on and on about, you know, different things to discuss before marriage. And by all means, go check out these lists and these questions. It's an eye-opener and it's important, you know, an interesting exercise to go through these topics, you know, with your with your mates. But the bottom line for me for a successful marriage is open communication, intimacy, as I had discussed before, and becoming smart at detecting red flags and Acknowledging them, not ignoring them. Well, these are my two cents on the whole issue. I'm sure there are so many things I could have talked about as well, but I want to concentrate on things that I have faced in life, my friends have faced in life, uh, things that are, you know, very practicable and not theoretical. Um, and so this brings me to the end of this episode. Next week's topic shall be on unconditional love. I hope you'll tune in then. For now, I wish you a lovely weekend, and I send you all my love. Till next Friday.